Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking any more chances. We got stuff flying around we have no control over. And I don't want to board full of these planes hitting every building on the East Coast. This is a national emergency. Everyone lands regardless of destination. That's going to cost billions. That Just do impact. it. We have hundreds of international flights coming in. They're already in the air. No, no I, don't, I don't want any more international flights crossing the borders. And they don't have to go back where they came from. Nobody's coming into the country from now on. Everyone? Everyone. Shut off the East Coast. Shut off all the internationals from Europe. Shut off South America. Shut off the West Coast. Nothing over the top either. Canada? Yeah, Canada too. Can shut down the airspace? No, I can't accept it. No. Nobody takes off. Land them all. Take a moment. Think about this. We're going to put. We're going to shut down the entire country right now. That's right. Listen, we're at war with someone, and until we figure out what to do about it, we're shutting down. That's it. We're finished. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from uh, United 93 from 2006, where uh, Ben Sliney, who is the actual FAA operations manager, uh, shut down the whole country for for uh, all the airlines, all the airline, everything, everything that was in the air came came down out of the air. Everything that was coming in stopped coming in. Go somewhere else. Go land in Canada. Go land. Go back to where you were, where you came from. Land in uh, Nova Scotia or uh, one of those other islands up 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 there that that uh, had tons and tons of planes. There's a uh, there's a uh, uh, a Broadway show made about it called uh, Far From Away. I think it's called, uh, which is really excellent. If you're in New York, have a chance to see it. Um, it's it's a really good play. Um, and I do the and and I use that because as soon as I get done introducing myself today, we're going to talk about. The transportation department and and our favorite Pete Buttigieg, the uh, the guy who has put in uh, put in as a transportation secretary because of the most diverse cabinet in history, the most diverse cabinet in history. We're going to put people in there that are that are black and white and Asian and uh, and gay gay and straight transgenders. We're going to make sure we get a, a mixture of everybody in there so we have a good diverse diverse cabinet because that's what's most important, not competent diverse okay so uh so we're gonna see what a what a mockery that's made of the transportation department and what it's doing to our country and uh that song was long time gone uh in as a tribute to uh, david crosby who we lost at uh 81 years old on thursday uh didn't say what he died of but uh long time apparently his wife said he'd been sick for a long time and uh and once you get into your 80s it's kind of uh it's kind of normal so we don't ever really worry about too much while you die at 80. If you die in your 50s or 60s, it's usually a, uh, what happened. So uh, so David Crosby, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, The Birds, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And uh, I went through songs. I went through songs. There's hundreds of these songs that 
you all know I could play play any of them, and you all know all these Crosby, Stills, and Nash songs and the Bird songs. And uh, this one uh, was one that he wrote long time gone. He actually uh, used the title of it as his autobiography. And uh, so I figured that was probably the most important one. I thought about a whole bunch of ones to start start uh, part two up, and there's just endless list. So uh, you'll see in part two which one I picked. So uh, tribute to David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, what a great musical influence uh, in our generation, and uh, we'll never forget him. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about everything that's going on in this country and my opinion of it just to make sure you guys are clear, clear on what's really happening. Let's make sure that you guys just don't hear a couple of sound bites like Democrats do. Hey, you hear a sound bite, and then you, uh, and that's all you remember. You don't look into the, the details of it. And that's why the, so many people in this country haven't figured out, hey, you know what? If you don't like the way things are in this country, it's about how you vote. Don't just... Don't think about vote. Hey, you know, politics. I don't really like politics. It doesn't affect me. Yes, it does. And I'm going to explain, I'm explain lots of that. And that's kind of what my, uh, my whole, uh, motive is for having this show is to help everybody be clear on what's going on. Hey, you know what? I look at it. I look at CNN. I look at MSNBC. I look at Fox. I look at Newsmax. I look at the internet. I look at all this stuff. And then I sit back and I think, Hmm. What does this really mean? And I look at my own experiences in my own life day to day and say, you know, hey, you know, he he says he says everything's everything's better and everybody's doing well. And I don't see that. I don't see that. And I'm involved in in uh, people's uh, tax returns and their credit. And I, so I see what's going on. And, you know, when uh, Janet Yellen says, well, you know, everybody's got a bunker stock of savings and and their and their debt's low. That's not the case right now. People are out of savings and they're and their uh, credit card, their credit card uh, limit, they're up to limit on their credit cards and they're paying minimum payments. Otherwise, they don't have enough to get to buy gas for their cars to get to work. So anyway, uh, but before I go further, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, talk to someone who thinks like you. Call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you're interested in refinancing a piece of property that you own or purchasing a piece of property that you'd like to own, or if you'd like to get more information on that reverse mortgage thing that everybody's talking about for uh, for uh, people over 62, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, do the cyber thing. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. And you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented partners. will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can listen on demand anytime. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe for free. And every week when we uh, when I do the show on Friday mornings, it uploads Friday afternoon. And some sometime shortly thereafter, it'll download to your device and you can listen to it whenever you whenever you want to, if, uh, if you can't always hear it on the radio. That's the easy way to hear it whenever you want. If you have comments on the show, ed at edhoffman.net. Email me to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, so let's talk about what's going on. As I as I uh, mentioned, the transportation debacles coming that that we're seeing, 
The Secretary of Vacation, I mean, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, has been under fire again for the recent series of nationwide aviation disruptions on his watch. We all remember December's Southwest debacle when the airline canceled 16,700 flights in the busiest week of the year, costing them about $825 million, according to Wall Street Journal. In the case, and in case you missed it, Buttigieg was all over our TVs throughout the holiday season with this message of holding Southwest accountable. I spoke to the CEO of Southwest Airlines. I reminded him of the stepped-up commitments that the airline made to our department over the summer. And we got those commitments in writing about how they take care of customers, passengers, when there are issues like this. We're going to be holding them accountable to those commitments and expect them to go above and beyond uh, the, the uh, letter of the law in terms of how they treat passengers. Will we sort it in time for the holidays? I think it's going to get better by the holidays. We're really pressing the airlines to deliver better service. Their system uh, really has completely melted down, and I've made clear that uh, our department will be holding them accountable for their responsibilities to customers. Yeah, we'll hold them accountable. We're just going to hold them accountable to make sure that they give the best customer service. They take, they take care of people. Kinds of reminds me of this line from a previous administration. And for as long as it takes, I intend to use the full force of the federal government to protect our fellow citizens and the place where they live. To bring together the resources of the federal government for this mission. On the events in Boston, I've directed the full resources of the federal government to help state and local authorities protect our people. We're working with the Pentagon, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, all to ensure that Fort Hood is secure, and we will continue to support the community with the full resources of the federal government. Our thoughts and prayers are with everyone in Boston. Uh, my husband continues to monitor the situation, and he has directed the full resources of the federal government to assist state and local authorities. At the direction of the president, the agencies are acting in a coordinated, strategic, and comprehensive way to bring the full force of the federal government to bear on this critically important issue. We will act with the full force of the federal government to ensure that the major banks that Americans depend on have enough confidence and enough money. We will hold accountable those responsible. We've taken steps to unfreeze the market for auto loans and student loans and small business loans. And we're acting with the full force of the federal government to ensure that our banks have the capital and the confidence to lend money to the families and business owners who keep this economy running. Yeah, can you uh, hear some uh, parallels there? Hey, we're going to hold everybody accountable. We're going to hold everybody accountable. We're going to use the full force of the federal government. Hold everybody accountable. Next, we'll next we'll get to the next next thing. But but here's here's my comment on that. You know, taking care of customers is part of the free market. We're going to make sure that we're going to hold them accountable to. to to make sure they're they're taking care of their customers and making and being accountable to them for the money they've lost or for whatever, um, and that's part of the free market. You know, hey, the government doesn't need to get involved in this. Southwest Airlines either needs to make it, make good on on their commitments, or people will just stop flying Southwest Airlines. They'll see themselves go out of business. It's part of it's part of hey, you know what? If you don't take care of your customers, somebody else will, and that's hey, you know what? Not every uh, government policy works, not every American works, but the free market always works. So uh, then then the last week of January 12th, the FAA grounded more than 7,300 flights across numerous major airlines for several hours, and another 1,000 flights were canceled permanently. 
When it was discovered the issue was an outage in the system that warns pilots of hazards, Pete Buttigieg was expected to answer for it. So he took a cue from his bosses in the White House by going to their tried and true root causes route. We have to understand how this could have happened in the first place and what the original source of the errors or, or the corrupted files would have been. Yeah, when there's a problem with a government system, we're going to own it, we're going to find it, and we're going to fix it. My top priority right now is to understand the root cause, understand how it could have led to this level of disruption. We're going to get to the root cause and figure out what happened. Well, let's see if it's a computer problem. My assumption is, and I'm not a I'm not a transportation secretary or a politician, but my my initial uh, reaction, just shooting from the hip, maybe it's computer software problem, maybe it's a computer hardware problem. Hmm, I wonder if that could be. I don't know. That just seems like would be normal. Hey, you know what? What's the root causes of people coming over the border to migrate to uh, to uh, America and come over illegally? Uh, free stuff. I don't know. That just seems like, hey, you know, if, if they're giving away free stuff, uh, I'm trying to think of when they, uh, when uh, uh, there's once a year when Denny's gives out free uh, Grand Slams, Grand Slams breakfasts, and there's some, some, uh, sometimes when, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Chick Fil A gives away free chicken sandwiches, and you know, it's like one day a year or something. And you notice the lines are all lined up for the, hey, there's free stuff. Maybe that's the same the same issue going on with uh, migrants coming across the border. Root causes shouldn't be that hard. And, of course, I heard Pete Buttigieg say, well, you know, we've been trying to change, change the computer uh, equipment in for the uh, transportation department uh, for the last 10, last four decades, I think he said. And uh, but there's never seems to be money enough money in the in the budget to do it. Really? Maybe let's stop spending money on bringing in illegal aliens. Maybe let's stop sending sending as much money to other countries that that don't even like us. Maybe we should prioritize things in the budget. And we'll talk about that more in the second half. So uh, two days later, after all those uh, planes got grounded uh, on January 14th, calamity struck again at the same airport. When American Airlines plane crossed 1,000 feet across a Delta Delta plane at JFK Airport, the wrong turn resulted in two aircrafts almost crashing into each other. It's being called and described a close call and a near miss. The American Airlines flight was getting ready for takeoff at 8.45 p.m. on runway 31 left. Meanwhile, Delta, uh, the Delta plane was waiting to take off on runway 4 left. When the American, when the American plane approached the spot where the two runways intersect, the pilot was supposed to turn right, then line up behind the Delta plane. But that's not what he did, as he heard the air traffic controller say he was cleared for takeoff. Instead, he went left when he was supposed to turn right, and then uh, then ended up right in front of the Delta airline when it, when it was trying to take off. Air traffic controllers started yelling and cursing at the American pilot, and the Delta plane was able to halt in the nick of time to prevent a crash. Here's some of that audio. Uh, and we try and, you know, we took out some of the cursing and yelling, uh, to make it, uh, playable on the radio. Delta 1943, went 35018, gust 24, runway 4 left, clear for takeoff. Alright, clear for takeoff, runway 4 left, Delta 1943. American Delta 106 heavy, American 106 heavy, hold position. American 106 heavy, hold position. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. American 106 heavy, possible pilot deviation, I have a number for you. The last class we were given, we were cleared to uh, cross. Is that correct? American 106 Heavy, 
Uh, we're departing runway four left. Um, I guess we'll listen to the tapes, but uh, you are supposed to depart runway four left. You're currently holding short of uh, three one left. All right, possible pilot deviation. We uh, we hear in that in that uh, recording. We have two different people saying clear for takeoff, so I'm assuming they gave both airlines uh, clear for takeoff, but um, who knows? Who knows? Pilot deviation. You know, what's the root cause of that? The root cause, maybe they can replace the computers. You know, if you go into the FAA and the, and these uh, air uh, these uh, control towers at airports and you see a bunch of uh, screens that are look like, uh, look like uh, picture tube TVs instead of flat screens, they're probably too old. They probably, and if they even plug into the computers, that means the computers are too old. And that means probably the software is too old. You know, we have GPS on our, on a, in our cars and on our phones that tells us when to reroute because there's an accident on the freeway. It tells us when to reroute because of weather conditions. It has all kinds of stuff that just pops up instantaneously automated. You'd think they could, uh, they could use some of that, that kind of technology and making sure planes don't crash into each other. So, and you know, the fact that the 7,300 planes were grounded uh, because some other system went down, I think maybe it's time to, uh, to replace some of that, that computer equipment, but you know what? I'm just, I'm just a mortgage guy. So I may, maybe I don't know all that stuff. So anyway, let's talk about uh, Martin Luther King day for Joe Biden. Martin Luther King day may as well be Christmas. It's the one day a year he gets to flaunt and embellish his lifelong history of political pandering to black community. And no one is allowed to challenge him on it for this year's MLK day. Biden did it up big with a two day affair. First, he delivered a Sunday sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, where Martin Luther King used to be the pastor. And before you question what qualifies him to be a preacher, Joe Biden wants you to know that he's been frequenting black churches since high school. Sure he has. And let's say one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. I used to go to 730 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke. Andy knows this. Yeah, he so every morning he went to a seven thirty mass before he stopped over at the black church, and then he stopped by the the Puerto Rican community center to uh, you know make sure he grew up uh, basically uh, grew up as a Puerto Rican. And uh, of course, he still fin- he he still got to high school on time apparently, so he could get a uh, so he could get scholarships to go to uh, college and get three degrees. Um, and then of course, this is before the uh, the kitchen fire in his uh, in his house. Uh, that almost almost had him uh, lose his whole house. Of course, it was just a small kitchen fire, uh, and almost lost his wife Jill because the fire was gonna in in you know just envelop the whole house. But it was really a small kitchen fire. And before his son uh, Bo died in Iraq from a brain uh, tumor, actually in a hospital in Maryland, and before uh, he never discussed the business dealings with his son Hunter, before China uh, donated fifty one million dollars to the University of Pennsylvania, uh, which fueled the UPenn Center which uh, Biden had almost a million dollar a year salary from. And uh, I don't know, it just uh, it just uh, the the lies and uh, deceptions just go on and on. Uh, When he refers to, hey, Andy knows this, this is a former U.N. ambassador, Andrew Andrew Young, uh, who Biden previously claimed was his partner in organizing civil rights marches as a teenager. Young has never disputed this, but he has disputed Biden's claims they were arrested together as young protesters. Young told a reporter in 2020, I was never arrested, and I don't think Biden was either. 
After that, Biden started claiming he was stopped rather than arrested. Oh, I get it. I'm a, I'm a been in jail. I've been jailed uh, unfairly because uh, the cop saw me roll through a stop sign and pulled me over and gave me a ticket. I don't know. So you see the the hypocrisy of everything he everything he says and does. So that was Biden's MLK MLK Eve. On Monday, he was keynote speaker at the annual MLK Breakfast hosted by the National Action Network, Al Sharpton's organization. Someone you really want to get next to and get some photo ops for a guy who's uh, race baiting, anti-American, uh, tax tax cheat. Things got off to a rocky start as the president led the crowd in singing happy birthday to the wife of Martin Luther King's daughter-in-law, Andrea King. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. When somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, so maybe uh, Jill Biden's rule is whenever there's somebody has a birthday, you sing happy birthday to someone. Not necessarily the per- person whose birthday it is. You know, as he says, he's happy birthday to Andrea King, but he says, happy birthday, dear Valerie. Maybe he thought it was his sister. I don't know. Biden then launched into a classic divider-in-chief speech, which in which he leveled numerous unfounded inflammatory claims. The first one is home values are racist. You know, if you build a, in the last 25 years, if you build a, a, a housing development on one side of an interstate highway and you built the same one on the opposite side and one is predominantly black and the other is predominantly white, guess what? The value of the exact same home built by the exact same builder is more valuable on the white side of that highway than on the, on the black side. That's a fact. So we're going to aggressively, aggressively combat racial discrimination in housing, including working to restore the rule that says if a community gets a federal housing aid, it's not enough just to say it won't discriminate. It has to be meaningful, affirmative steps to overcome patterns of segregation and give everybody a fair shot that lives there. Yeah, well, Biden's talking about when people buy houses. Sounds to me like if I'll tell you, builders don't build on both sides of a freeway at the same time. They start on one side and they move over to the other side, wherever their next plot of land is. Builders typically build a phase of houses and they raise their prices and they build another phase and they raise their prices a little bit. So if they built on one side and it was and it was less expensive than the other side, maybe they built that one first. And if the people on if they're talking about the buy side, if the people on the on the quote unquote black side of the freeway uh, got lower prices, then I guess they were having some black privilege. They got a discount. Next, Biden pretended like a Fair Housing Act of 1968 never took place, even as he supposedly fought for it in his youth at the county level. We're also working with leaders to strengthen programs to redress the negative impacts of, re- of redlining. <clears throat> One of the things I was a young county councilman, that's what almost lost me election, but I'm very proud of it, trying to take care of redlining and get rid of discrimination. And finally, we're addressing the cruel fact that a black family's homes often appraised, as I said, at much lower value than the homes owned, the same home owned by white families. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this redlining thing is all BS. Is all BS. Hey, you know what? Redline, redlining for is basically uh, banks that will lend in some areas and not in other areas. You know what? I'll tell you how banks lend. They uh, they pull your credit and they look at your income. And if more people in that area 
don't have good credit and more people in that area don't have uh, enough income to qualify for loans, they don't make the loans there. And so you say, hey, you know, you're redlining. You only made two loans in this area over here, but you made, uh, you know, 350 loans over here. Well, maybe it's in a poorer area where people don't pay their bills and they don't uh, and they don't have jobs. So that's how lending works. I know that I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports and commercials. And we'll have lots, lots more of all this, all this debacle on the Martin Luther King Day speech that just offended something for everybody. Change my life, make it right, be my lady. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, it might be uh, might be boring for you. But if you if you are in the market or you think you might be in the market and you want to talk to someone. Uh, who thinks like you about uh, maybe some of your options, whether it's a reverse mortgage on your house so you can uh, make up the gap between uh, your number of years that you have left in your life and the number of uh, dollars you have in your in your bank account. Uh, call me toll-free, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll uh, do the cyber thing. So before the uh, break, we were talking about uh, Biden's Martin Luther King Day speech and uh, something to offend just about every industry. And uh, before we ended, we were talking about how he's saying how the uh, appraisers are racist and how the values of the houses are worse if you're black versus if you're white. And there is a New York Times article that came out several months ago that I'm sure everybody's heard about where uh, this black couple in Maryland um was actually sued Loan Depot and the and the appraiser um, because the appraisal came in low and uh, and and they did an appraisal and it came in like four hundred seventy two thousand and they said this is BS this is BS no way and uh, then they waited six months they waited six months from January twenty two to August twenty two and they had the uh, they had another appraisal done by. Uh, another lender, they had a realtor or somebody meet the appraiser at the house, and they took out all evidence that a black family lived there. And the appraisal came in at like seven hundred some thousand dollars. And they're saying, "Hey, that's proof that the appraisers are racist." Well, number one, there's number one, there's a big difference between January twenty two and August twenty two when we hit the the peak of of the unrealistic exploded. Uh, uh, home values in the country. So there's a big difference there. Number two is, uh, you know, if somebody sold a house that was a foreclosure or they were losing it, or it was a probate sale, or it was just, it was just junked up and appraiser uses that, then that could bring in a low appraisal. And if the appraiser doesn't look into this thing a little farther to find out the reason that that one was so low, and it happened maybe the week before you're doing the appraisal, then that could, that could do that. And of course, you know, what is the reason that appraisers don't work hard on those things and actually do the investigation? It's something called the Home Valuation Code of Conduct, 
where you're not allowed to pick your appraisers. Well, the borrower was never allowed to, but the, the lenders could, and they would use competent appraisers. Now you have to use appraisal management companies, and this has been going on for the last uh, five, six, seven years, and uh, and appraisal management has to get in the middle of it. So when you pay for a $400 appraisal, the appraisal management company skims 150 bucks off the top, and the appraiser only gets 250 Well, I don't know. Human, human behavior would tell me that, hey, if you're only getting... $250 for your appraisal, you don't work as hard as when you get $400 for the appraisal. So, you know, hey, cause and effect. The government gets involved in all this stuff. And of course, what's this guy doing? He, he sued Loan Depot and he sued the appraisal, the appraiser or the appraisal company for coming in low. I will tell you, I did a, a loan on a house in Huntington Beach and uh, they used a, a appraiser, uh, appraisal review. They used an appraiser in uh, Central California to re- to do a desktop review appraisal on the on the house in Huntington Beach, and they brought the and he brought the value in eight hundred thousand dollars less. And the company I was working for wanted to deny the deny the loan. And I said, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. Something comes in eight hundred dollars less. Do you think that's a problem? Have you ever seen anything come in that low? Let, I mean, I could see it coming in a little bit less because it was three million dollar house." But eight hundred thousand, I don't think this is right. And I fought the fight. I fought the fight and got it accepted. So you know, maybe someone needs to work a little harder on that. And it's not racism. It's just people not doing their job. So anyway, it's not just the housing industry. Biden called racist. It's the insurance industry too. Imagine hearing the president of the United States telling an audience of black supporters this flat-out lie: black people are charged more for insurance premiums than white people. You don't have to imagine it anymore because Joe Biden said it on Martin Luther King Day this week. And by the way, if you live in one of those neighborhoods and you have the same exact car I have in the other neighborhood, you pay more for your insurance than that side. No basis for it. None at all other than you're black and I'm white. Well, you know what? Uh, Insurance companies have responded to that. And they said, hey, you know what? We base your uh, insurance rates based on the amount of claims in your particular neighborhood. Are there more carjackings in your neighborhood? Do people uh, get in wrecks more often in your neighborhood? Do people get little tiny fender benders with a scratch and then try to uh, claim that there was a big old monster dent and uh, get something else they did? They backed into backed into their own house and get that fixed for, uh, are they doing fraudulent claims? And, you know, do they just have worse DMV records or credit reports? That's how That's how it works. It has nothing to do with what color you are. All right, but the most ludicrous claim that Biden made at the MLK breakfast wasn't about race. It was about the deficit. As his remarks turned from race baiting to campaign speech, Biden repeated this claim he's been making since last fall. We're making this progress at the same time, reducing the deficit. You know, you're going to talk about big spending Democrats again? Guess what? I reduced the deficit last year, $350 billion. And this year... Federal deficit is down one trillion plus dollars. Hear me, that's a fact. And there's going to be hundreds of billions reduced over the next decade. But so what? These guys are the fiscally, you know, they're fiscally demented. I think they don't, they don't yeah. quite get it. Yeah, fiscally demented. We don't quite get it. I think he doesn't quite get anything. Since Biden has been saying this in various speeches since September, it's been fact-checked many times. 
First up is press release from the House Budget Committee, Republican leader Jason Smith of Missouri. Claiming to reduce the deficit while adding $10 trillion in new spending is an insult to the intelligence of the American people. Last year, under President Biden, the deficit reached $2.78 trillion, $517 billion above what the Congressional Budget Office said it otherwise should have been because of his American Rescue Plan, which sparked the highest inflation in 40 years. Under his fiscal year 23 budget, deficits for the next day, decade would average approximately $1.6 trillion, $600 billion higher than the last decade. The truth is that the spending is coming down from the height during the pandemic which President Biden is using to claim that the Democrats are reducing the deficit. Did you hear that? Hey, the truth is that, hey, we what you're looking at, the reduction in the deficit is, hey, we got a pandemic. We started giving people $600 a week extra unemployment, and we forced them to not be able to go to work. And we gave out the paycheck protection programs to everybody, whether they, whether they even had uh, any loss or not. And, you know, they, and we gave out these EIDL loans, and all this other stuff, we gave uh, billions of dollars to uh, to school districts so they could uh, tell the so they could tell the uh, the people that they couldn't have in classroom teaching. They had to learn from home. And well, hey, if you got if they have to learn from home, you got to get laptops for all these kids. Did they spend the money on laptops? No, they didn't. They sent they gave teachers bonuses. They gave administrators bonuses. People went on vacations. And uh, hey, you know what? I'm uh, I'm watching kids from my hotel room in Hawaii, and uh, all this money was just squandered, squandered. They, you know, why the Democrats spend money like it's going, like it's like it's water? It's because it's not theirs. And when they spend the money, they decide whose whose money it is. So this one is from CNN in October. President Joe Biden took a victory lap on Friday for the biggest one year drop in the federal deficit in American history. That's despite the fact that the deficits remain historically high and all of the record-breaking $1.4 trillion deficit drop is driven by the fact that emergency COVID spending has lapsed. So apparently, lots of people are pointing out, hey, this deficit reduction has nothing to do with, with, uh, with Biden. We just stopped paying for people to sit home. Hours later, Biden championed his student debt forgiveness program, a program that completely wipes out the modest deficit savings created by the Inflation Reduction Act. And of course, will never go through, but he's still championing it, championing it and telling everybody what a great job he's doing for the American people. Then this week, Biden got four unicorns from the Independent Women's Forum. Remember, the Independent Women's Forum gives you unicorns and some of these uh, newspapers give you uh, Pinocchios. Uh, Biden is playing make-believe again, taking undeserved credit for lowering the deficit by making yet another disingenuous argument. The deficit drop resulted from two driving factors, increased government revenues, particularly from individual income taxes, you know, like people going back to work, and decreased government spending on temporary COVID-related programs, such as the stimulus checks and small business loans. As the economy reopened, when workers went back to work and consumers were spending more on goods and services and leisure again, Tax revenues climbed. Imagine that. That is the economy working on its own. See, the free market always works. Works on its own. Biden didn't have anything to do with that. Meanwhile, pushback against the $3.5 trillion Build Back Better program tanked the whole new round of spending. Get that? Meanwhile, the pushback against the $3.5 trillion Build Back Better plan tanked the whole new round of spending. So Democrats managed to transfer elements of the Build Back Better program into their $730 trillion Inflation Reduction Act, 
which doesn't reduce inflation, it fuels it. It's a fraction of what Biden had intended to spend and a down payment on what he wishes he could get away with. And to be clear, a $1.4 trillion deficit is still far above our pre-pandemic level of $984 billion a year in 2019. And from the Washington Post, fact checker, which gave Biden three Pinocchios, Biden is citing real deficit reduction numbers, but doing so in a way to mislead listeners. So the deficit did get reduced, but he's misleading people into thinking he did. The president is leaving out important context. The budget deficit was supposed to shrink as massive spending caused by the pandemic faded. So you know what? If you're if you're dumb enough to not pay attention, if you're dumb enough to think none of this stuff affects you, and you don't watch the news because it 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 makes you mad or it makes you sad or it, it frustrates you, then you don't learn all the stuff, learn all the things that are going on, and you don't get pointed out this stuff that hey, you know what? Hey, well, I heard Biden say he lowered the lowered the deficit. Is that true? Well, yeah, the deficit went down, but you don't hear the the rest of it. And if you don't look at this regularly, you may not just figure it out for yourself. Biden's claim on the deficit is coming once again as the U.S. hits a cap on how much money it can borrow. The $31.4 trillion debt ceiling was technically breached on Thursday. So to ensure the federal government can pay its bills, the Treasury Department will likely employ, in Janet Yellen's own words, uh, to Congress last week, extraordinary measures, quote unquote, to buy Congress some time, five or six months at the most, to reach the debt limit deal. What extraordinary measures are they taking? Playing with the retirement accounts of government workers. So those of you that work for the federal government or are retired or hoping to retire, they're playing with your money. Redeeming existing investments and suspending new investments in the Civil Service Retirement Disability Fund and Postal Retiree Health Benefits. So they've got your retirement funds in the stock market, in bond market, and this and that, and all these different things, they're cashing those out and they're not investing them in anything. They're gonna let the money just sit and do nothing so they can pay the federal government's bills. They wanna make sure that Congress people and their staffs get paid. They wanna make sure that senators and their staffs get paid. They wanna make sure that that uh, the president and his staff and uh, his pilots and his secret service people, they wanna make sure the federal government, all those people get paid. So they're tapping your retirement. And suspending reinvestment of government securities investment fund, a federal employees retirement system thrift savings plan. So I've done lots of loans for you guys that work for the some federal agency and you have these thrift savings plans. So if you have one of those, you'll be happy to know that according to CNN, these funds are invested in special issue treasury securities, which count against the debt limit. Yellen's actions would temporarily provide treasury with additional capacity to continue financing the federal and government's operations. No retirees will be affected, and the funds will be made whole once the impasse ends. So in other words, in other words, once the impasse ends, they'll make they'll make it whole. So once they figure out a budget and raise the debt ceiling and uh to to and do whatever they do to the budget, they're just gonna spend it anyway. So in other words, in other words, we're still spending it. We're just not taking it from the budget. We're taking it from retirees' investment accounts. So it's kind of like saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, my visa, my visa card, my visa card is up to limit. So I'm not going to have any more debt. I'm going to put it on my American Express." You're still going into debt. You just put on a different credit card. Remember, the omnibus uh, bill had 858 billion dollars for de- Department of Defense. 
But $27.9 billion was to replenish what we've already given to Ukraine. Tanks, guns, other kind of weapons, including the equipment we gave them. This week, the Times uh, of Israel reported that the U.S. military is quietly shipping hundreds of thousands of artillery shells to Ukraine from a massive stockpile in Israel. So we have we have stockpiles of ammunition all around the world. So we're not shipping it from the United States. But we're taking our 300,000 shells over there in Israel and we're saying, hey, just ship some of them to Ukraine. Uh, and we have to spend some more money to replenish that. Our new House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, called on Democrats to engage in talks with Republicans over a plan. And surprise, surprise, they reportedly not only rejected the invitation, but demanded the limit should be raised without conditions. Uh, yeah, give me a raise and I don't have to do nothing else. Just give me a raise. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said there should be no political brinksmanship when it comes to the debt ceiling. Corrine Jean-Pierre Uh, On behalf of the president, she read in her notes, we're not negotiating on the debt ceiling. And here's Kevin McCarthy's response to that. I think it's a sign of arrogance if you would say he wouldn't even discuss it. If you had a child and you gave him a credit card and they kept raising it and they hit the limit. So you just raised it again, clean increase and again and again. Would you just keep doing that or would you change the behavior? We're six months away. Why wouldn't we sit down now and change this behavior? Why didn't we sit down six months ago before we hit this the this debt ceiling and change the behavior six months ago? But, hey, you know what? We're spending this much per day. We're spending this much per month. We could see where the money's going out, and we could see how much money we have left. Um, are we going to end up surprised when we hit the the debt ceiling on a specified date? You know, when he and when uh, McCarthy talks about you know what you do with your kids and their credit cards. Uh, Marie Osmond made a made a comment this week on her plans to not give her seven kids an inheritance. And she said, honestly, why would you enable your child to not try to be something? I don't know anybody who becomes anything if they're just handed money. And, you know, I've seen lots of posts on that in uh, from one position or the other. I don't disagree with her. You know, uh, Warren Buffett says, leave your kids enough so they can do anything. Don't leave them enough that they can do nothing. And uh, and quite frankly, uh, Don and I told our kids, hey, you know what? We're going to spend every dollar we have before we die. So you better figure out how to get rich yourself because our money is not your money. And of course, we probably won't be successful at spending it all. But uh, that's how we're dealing with our kids. And we'll decide where the money goes by when we get closer to that time. So uh, let's talk about the document developments in the uh, in the uh, classified documents with uh with uh, Joe Biden and, uh, you know, Vice President Joe Biden, what he did. We're in the second week of the Biden classified document scandal, and there are a few significant developments. First is we're learning more about what happened in the days leading up to the Justice Department being informed of the documents. According to the Washington Post, Biden spent the weekend before Christmas as a routine visit to his home. But the day after he left and returned to Washington, his lawyers alerted the Justice Department to some troubling news. Inside the garage, They had located a batch of classified documents that dated to Biden's time as vice president. Biden left Wilmington that Monday, and that next day were the Secret Service, uh, the Justice Department, people being informed who was at his house while he was there on a routine visit. I don't know. So December 20th is when Biden's lawyers informed the Justice Department that the additional documents had been found in his garage. That triggered the FBI to go to the home and secure the documents. But... Why were his lawyers there in the first place? Twice. 
And why were they sent to the Penn Biden Center? We still don't know. And why didn't the Department of Justice want the FBI involved? You know, you got uh, you've got your own your own lawyers searching through stuff. You find that there's a problem, and instead of the FBI going in to check out what's really happening, have your lawyers go through it. To give Kareem Jean-Pierre a break from re, uh, repeating the president takes this very seriously, and I refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. Another White House spokesman, Ian Sams, is stepping in. Here's his statement. Of course, the president has facilitated, facilitated access to his residents, to his personal lawyers, so they can conduct the searches to ensure any records are properly in possession of the government. Well, that clears it up. Hey, of course, he has his personal lawyers in there because he wants to make sure that it's all cleaned up and shined up and cleaned off and, you know, put in shrink wrap and with a ribbon around it before you let the FBI in. You want to make sure and clean it up. That's not transparent. We're also hearing more about the security measures at his residence, more from the Washington Post. Biden often travels with the National Security Council aide, and the accommodations have been made on his property so that he can handle classified materials and conduct secure phone calls. But as the article points out, ironically, those security accommodations were on the same property as the garage that held the classified materials he was not authorized to have. Hmm. So what was the National Security Council aide doing when, when they were at his house? They didn't find that, but they're making sure his house is okay to, to uh, take secure phone calls at and do all this stuff. Plus, while Team Biden talks out both sides of its mouth, this is a secure facility because we took all these security measures but we didn't need to keep a visitor logs because this isn't the White House. What? We made secure facility, but this isn't the White House, so we don't need to be secure. Republicans in Congress are gearing up to investigate the matter in the, with the White House Judiciary and Oversight Committee, both informing the Department of Justice they are launching their investigations immediately. They're not waiting for this to cool down. And all of this is tied to their investigations of Hunter as well, because this was not just Joe Biden and Jill Biden's house. This was also Hunter Biden's house, and that's according to Hunter himself. Here's the timeline that reveals some of Hunter's ties to, to the home from the Washington Free Beacon. December 18th, and I'm assuming this all comes off the, the laptop from hell. Uh, December 2018, Hunter Biden directs his Wells Fargo financial advisor to change his banking address to the Wilmington home. January 19, Hunter adds the address to his PayPal account. February 2019, Hunter orders a number of products he bought online to be shipped to the home a night vision monocular telescope, an anti-police GPS radar detector. Hmm, what do you need that for? A five megawatt laser pointer. Hmm, that's another interesting purchase. And a 360 degree USB webcam. I think we all know what that's for. It's, uh, I guess, especially if you like making porno videos. And a new smartphone. Also in that time frame, Hunter made this home the billing address for his Apple account, purchased an app that makes calls and texts from a second phone number, and saved, saved a notarized quitclaim deed on his hard drive that identifies himself, Hunter Biden, as a divorced man residing in his father's Wilmington property. In other places, like one of his many applications to buy a firearm and possibly the application for his rental home in L.A., Hunter claimed to be the owner of the house. Was he? We can't tell, but he wanted it on record that he spent a lot of time there. Here's Mike Johnson of the Judiciary Committee on why this actually matters. We would assume that family members would be there. But the question is, who accompanied the family members? Did Hunter Biden uh, spend nights there? Did he bring friends? I don't know, from other countries, maybe our adversaries. 
Yeah, reporters were invited to listen to the White House statement on these investigations via a phone call on Tuesday. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre Stanton, Ian Sams. When it comes to Congress, we intend to review and respond to oversight inquiries in good faith. But we also expect members of Congress to show the same good faith. House Republicans lose credibility when they engage in fake outrage about an issue that they're clearly pursuing only for partisan gain. Fake outrage? Didn't the Justice Department uh, sign an independent counsel to investigate uh, the uh, Trump having classified documents that he actually had the ability and the authority to to declassify? Uh, Is this for Republican gain? Then Friday morning, we heard this. You know, the only I, I will answer the question, but here's the deal. You know, what quite frankly bugs me is that we have a serious problem here we're talking about. We're talking about what's going on, and the American people don't quite understand why you don't ask me questions about that. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Yeah, there's important things going on that the reporters don't ask for. It's not a question that the reporters don't ask ask about any of those things. He just doesn't answer on those either. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week.